Hello and welcome to John Cook Ministries podcast. I'm John Cook. Good morning, and I want to welcome you to our continuing study on pastoral epistles. This covers First and Second Timothy and the book of Titus. We have been teaching this for a while, so there are videos available on um, our YouTube channel. And uh, if you go there to John Cook Ministries, you'll find our uh, previous videos on this. And uh, today we are on lesson number six. And on lesson number six, we are dealing with part six. Uh, and uh, today, as we look at this, we're going to look at the directions for the ministry and then what proper praise is. You know, a lot of times we praise the wrong people, the wrong person, actually. We praise ourselves. We're pretty proud of ourselves. We, uh, we're so proud of ourselves, we can't uh, stop taking pictures of ourselves. Uh, we have all these uh, so-called selfie pictures, and it's all about self. But it's really all about Jesus. And so as we continue this study, we want to ever present that our ministry as pastors and as preachers is always about Jesus. It's not about us. It's all about him. And all the praise and all the glory and all the honor goes to him. And he's the strength behind our ministries. He's the one who puts the words in our mouths. He's the one who we should depend upon for our continuing ministries and for our continuing service to God. Now, before we start today, I want to start with a word of prayer. Now, Father, I pray that you'll help us today. I pray that you'll teach through us today as we read the scriptures and then as we look to apply them to our own lives. And Lord, without you, we can do nothing. But you've said in your word that I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So we want to glorify you. And the only way we can do that is if your Holy Spirit works through us. And so I ask you to work today in this lesson for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, as we get into our lesson, we go to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 14. And there in the scriptures we read that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's giving us some directions that we are to follow in our ministries. And as God wants our ministries to uh, be performed, is that we do it without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that he says that thou keep this commandment. That's an important word, that word commandment. And that word tells us something very important. And that is, sorry, I went too far, that this isn't just dealing with some good idea. It's not, here's an idea for you to follow. 
nor is it dealing with an opinion. Here's what I, in my opinion, this is what you should be doing. Both of those may be good in themselves. On the other hand, they may not be so good. Not just a good idea, not just good uh, opinion, but a commandment. Now, a command, when it's given, is an order. And it's an order that we are to follow. It's an order we are to obey. You know, obedience is something we don't find easy uh, to do in our lives. In fact, obedience is something that we find goes against our flesh because our flesh doesn't want to submit itself to a higher authority. We find this sometimes on our jobs. When the boss tells us to do something, we kind of bristle at it. Like, who's he to tell me how to do my job? Sometimes we find this in the church when the preacher preaches. And we say, in, within ourselves, we grumble. And we say, who's he to tell me how to live my life? Well, Paul the Apostle is presenting here a command, a command from God. This is not his words. This is the very words of the living God. And notice in this scripture, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and verse 11 and 12, he says, but thou, O man of God. Now, that's something important to remember. We're not in the ministry because that we have chosen it. We're in the ministry because God made us a man of God. He says, flee these things. So there's some things we're to run away from. And follow after righteousness. So we're to... Flee these things, and we're to follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. These are the things that God wants us to be walking towards. And verse 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. So not only are we fleeing and following, but we're to, be, we're to fight the good fight of faith. This is a battlefield, brother. As the old song says, you've heard me say it before. It's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation hall. We're not just playing games here. We're in it to the death. We're in this business as a battle. And it's a battle with our flesh. It's a battle with this world. It's a battle with the devil. And so we're a to fight the good fight of faith. Know this. We don't choose to fight. It's a good fight because it's for the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says, lay hold on eternal life. You know, if you're going to be in a battle, you've got to know there's a reason for it. And you've got to know there's hope. And a hopeless battle is not easily fought. But when we consider that we have hope, the eternal life that has been promised to us, the eternal life in our Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses, he says. 
You've professed to be saved. You've professed to have eternal life. You've professed to be a man of God. That's a good profession. And this is a profession that should strengthen us in the battles that we face. Soldiers are to obey orders. The order that's given is not a request. I think of an old story. When I was younger, I can remember reading this story about a a young man that was in the military. He was walking across the the parade field, and an officer an officer came to him and said, "Button." An officer came to him and said, "Your pockets unbuttoned." And that young man looked down, and sure enough, it was unbuttoned. And he said, "Thank you, sir." And he went to button it. And the officer looked at him and said, that was not a request. That was a command. A command is to be followed. And a command is something that, again, I remind you, it goes against our flesh. It goes against this whole flesh that we live in. Because it, to obey orders requires submission to the authority given the order. And God is the one who we are to obey. And God's words are the absolute authority in our lives. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse 17, it says, And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Here's an order. Take heed to the ministry. Take heed to your ministry. And what is it that we are to do in the ministry? Well, first we're to realize that we received it in the Lord. That ministry was given to us by the Lord. And we are to fulfill it. Now that word fulfill it means to fill it full. To do it. And to do it to the top. To get it right to the top. To do everything that God has told us to do. And to seek to find what God wants us to do in our ministries. Well, that's what we're supposed to be doing as we minister for the Lord. Now, not only is this a command, but notice that we're to do it without spot. Without spot means you don't live a loose life. Loose living is condemned in the Bible. Loose living is something that leads to blasphemy against the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Against his service, if you will. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 13, the scripture says, And shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to write in the daytime. 
spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. These are the things that the world brings into our lives. And these are the things that the devil wants to bring into our lives. Notice that he says spots they are. Now, a spot in the Bible can deal with a very bad thing and does. As a matter of fact, it deals with leprosy. And this is something that's deadly and is spreading and will totally envelop us and will totally destroy us. Well, the same thing is true in our ministry. We're to avoid spots in our ministry. We're not to allow leprosy, infections, to get into our ministry. The opinions of men, the ideas of this world, or to conform our ministries to the world. These are spots. These are blemishes, he says. A blemish is something that doesn't belong there. It's something that needs to be erased, something that needs to be cleaned off. Because these spots and blemishes, he says, lead to deceivings. Lies. And God hates lying. And the problem is that lying comes so easily to us in our flesh. You see, lying is something that's not difficult for us. We don't have to be taught how to do it. We just naturally know how to do it. As a child, we know how to do it. And even more so as we grow up. Lies are things that we tell to cover up the truth. Well, we certainly do not want spots and blemishes and deceivings in our ministries. This is what the messengers of the devil do, the preachers. Like the devil, they conform, they, they uh, make themselves to be angels of light. Seeking to blind men to the spots and blemishes and deceivings that are in them. There are many today who claim to be preachers of the word that turn out to be not true. They turn out to be those who simply don't want to please God. They rather seek to please themselves. And we have to avoid those things. How do we avoid it? Obedient living. We live according to the commands of God. When God commands us to do something, we obey him. We do what he says. Now, how are we going to know what God commands us to do? The only way we can know what God commands us to do is to get into his word right here. Get into this book and study it. That's why we're told in the scriptures to study, to show, to show ourselves approved unto God, 
a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We're to study that book. We're to know it. The old King James Bible, get into it, study it, know what it says. Not only know it, but obey it. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 14, it says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. There it is again. He wants us to live without spot and blameless. The only way we can do that is to be diligent, be on our guard, be wrapped in doing what God wants us to do, be consumed with doing the will of God in our lives. And again, the only way we can do that is to avoid the flesh. And to avoid the flesh, we have to to obey the commands of God. These spots that we talked about. I'm sorry, I need to go back to that. These spots that we talked about are like leprosy. In Leviticus, let me see, where can I write that? Let's see. I'm going to write this on the screen for you. Leviticus, and verse, or chapter 13, and verse 2. In Leviticus, chapter 2, and verse 13, or chapter 13, and verse 2, I'll get it right here eventually. Like we used to say when I was growing up, my tongue's wrapped around my eye tooth, and I can't see what I'm saying. In Leviticus chapter 13 and verse 2, the scripture says this, when a, when a man shall have a, in the skin of his flesh a rising, a scab, or a bright spot, there's that word spot, and it be in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy. So a bright spot can be a mark of leprosy, and leprosy is a type of sin in the Bible. Sin that permeates everything. Sin that destroys. So God says we're to avoid these things. Well, how do we do that? Well, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Now, let me stop and say this. When we get saved, it's by the mercies of God. So having been saved by the mercies of God, now the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans writes, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the very thing that saved you, I beseech you by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies. The beginning is making a presentation, if you will. Present our bodies a living sacrifice. What's God calling for us in the New Testament? What's he calling for us to do? He's calling for us 
to present our bodies, which he bought. Present them, but present them as a living sacrifice. You know, the Jew in the Old Testament brought his sacrifice to the altar, and it was to be a burnt sacrifice. But God is calling us on us to live for him, a living sacrifice. And notice he says, here's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be holy and acceptable unto God. Now, I've thought about that. And the thought that clears my mind or comes to my mind is how can we present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God? When our bodies, well, our bodies are not good. Our flesh is not good. So how do we make how do we present it wholly? And the only thing I've come up with in my thinking, and this is my thinking, I may be wrong, but is that God is the one who makes it holy because he sanctifies us unto himself. That makes us acceptable unto God. And the Bible says we're accepted in the beloved. We're acceptable unto God because he sees us as in Jesus Christ, our Savior which is your reasonable service. So God's not calling on me to do something that is not reasonable. It's only reasonable that I give God what he bought. And he says, and be not conformed to this world. Boy, if there's one thing this world wants, it's us to be in conformity to it. But he says, be not conformed to this world. That means we don't walk like them. We don't talk like them. We don't dress like them. We don't think like the world, which is all the things that our flesh wants. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We've got to have a new mind, a mind given us by the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We've got to start thinking like Jesus wants us to think. That she may prove. That business of proving something means that we're going to test it. We're going to make sure that it's what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are looking in our lives to, to um, what's the word I'm looking for? We're looking in our lives to, per, to perfect, to be, to perfection, to look, uh, seeking perfection in our lives. Now, I know we're not going to get that perfection as long as we're in this body of flesh. But I, I'm certainly not going to get be what God wants me to be if I choose to live a wicked life. 
a fleshly life. So I have to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I have to prove the will of God. I have to make sure what I'm doing is the will of God. And I can only do that by testing it through the scriptures, looking to see what God has to say. Does God agree with what I believe? Does God agree with what I'm practicing? Uh, somebody comes along and gives me, uh, says, you, you need to set up your church to where it's more acceptable to the world. Does that agree with what God would tell me in his word? Well, that doesn't agree because the Bible says, come out from among them and be separate. What fellowship hath light with darkness? He says, be not unequally yoked together with the unbeliever. So by testing things through the scripture, I can prove. But I'm not going to do this unless I have a new mind. And that's the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ in me. So again, these spots deal with leprosy, a type of sin, if you will. We just looked at this scripture. He says it's a bright spot. And it may be the plague of leprosy. So what did they do? Well, they brought that man to Aaron, the priest. Or unto one of his sons. And he would test. He would check it out. He would prove whether it was the plague of leprosy or not, or if it was just a freckle. If it proved to be leprosy, it had to be gotten rid of. So we need to be careful in our lives because this world wants to bring spots into our ministries and into our Christian life. Not only without spot, but unrebukable. That word to rebuke somebody means to tell them they're disobedient. But you know, when your child obeys, they're unrebukable. You can't, you can't judge them for something that they're not guilty of. And God certainly, as our gracious Heavenly Father, does not rebuke us for something we're not guilty of. So we're to be parents to our children like God is to us. And to God's children, we're to be careful to treat them in a right manner. But most of all, we're to see to it that we are obedient children to God, that we obey God. And if we're unrebukable, that means we're blameless. That he says that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 15 tells us. Notice what God wants us to be. God wants us to be un wants us to be first blameless. He can't blame me for it. I'm not guilty. He wants us to be harmless. 
Not only am I blameless, but I'm not going to bring harm. And without rebuke, that it, there's that word, without rebuke, unrebukable. Now, where is all this being carried out? In a crooked and perverse nation. Listen, Israel, the world, my nation, the United States, is crooked and perverse and shows itself to be such. Look at all the crookedness in our world and the perversions in the world. So what are we supposed to do? Here we are in a crooked and perverse nation. So what are we to do? We're to shine as lights. And you know what you know what darkness doesn't like? Light. Truth is is that this world hates the light and won't come to the light. The book of 1 John, excuse me, I need a drink. The book of John, it's not 1 John, but the book of John tells us that the Lord came into this world. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. But the Bible tells us that, that men wouldn't come to the light because their deeds were evil. They didn't want their deeds to be reproved. Well, in our lives, we're to shine as lights. In our ministries, we're to shine as lights. And that means we're not going to be popular with the world. We're not going to fit in with the world. Our purpose is to be what God wants us to be, not what the world wants us to be. One of these days, the Bible says, we're going to be presented before the Lord, unrebukable. That's what we are supposed to be living like in this world, is what God has already determined is going to happen in our lives. In Jude chapter 1 and verse 24, the scripture says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Notice, the Lord Jesus Christ is able to keep us from falling. He doesn't want us to fall. And he's able to keep us in this world. He's able to keep our ministry straight. And to present you faultless. That means unrebukable. No fault. You know, when Pilate examined Jesus, he said over and over again, I find no fault in this just man. Years ago, the question was asked, if you were brought into court and charged with being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Sadly, in the world we live in, 
Christianity has become so much like the world that many could not be convicted. And sadly, it may be true of our own lives. That's why we're to present ourselves unto the Lord. And let him renew our minds by getting into his word. And let him transform us to be what God wants us to be. And letting him determine what is right and what is wrong. That means we're to obey God, obey his word. How long? How long is this to go on in our ministry? How long is this Christian for us to live our lives? Well, the scripture says until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we have a responsibility that carries on until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Day by day, moment by moment, minute by minute, second by second, we're to be ever living in obedience to the word of God. His appearing, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's our blessed hope. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're living for. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 13, it says, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we're living for. That's what we're looking for. We're to live our lives for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the great God and our Savior, and he's the one we're looking for. The Apostle John wrote, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Notice that the Apostle John says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. We're not just looking forward to being the sons of God and being declared the sons of God. But now are we the sons of God. And then he says, When he shall appear, we shall be like him. When Jesus appears to receive us unto himself, we shall be like him. We're going to be like Jesus. And we shall see him as he is. What a tremendous truth. What great, what a great blessing. What a great promise. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's what we live for. 
That's what our ministry is all about. It's being like Jesus. It's seeking to live for Jesus. And we shall be like him. That's what we preach. That's what we're seeking to do. Why? It says, and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. First of all, notice, if you got this hope that we shall be like him, then the, the effect is we purify ourselves, even as he is pure. Sorry, I went too fast there. And having purified ourselves, we live for the Savior. We live... We need to see that we live in such a way and preach in such a way and teach in such a way as to present the Word of God in its purity. Don't contradict the Scripture. Don't change the Scripture. Don't deny what the Scripture says. How would we do that? By saying things like, it would be better translated. This word was mistranslated. This, we should really say this. No, we should say what God says in his words. Not add to it, not take away from it. And if we do that, then we live for the Savior. We live blameless in the Savior. Notice I said blameless in the Savior, not in ourselves. Anything that's good in me, anything that's right in me, anything that's pure in me, any righteousness is the Savior's. I have nothing to brag about. I'm simply living for the Savior, and that's what we're supposed to be doing. Do I succeed all the time in doing this? No. Does that mean I shouldn't try? No. It means I'm to live for the Savior. When I trip and fall, I get up again. The Bible says a just man, a just man falls seven times, but he gets up. So we're to Live for Jesus. The Bible says, Who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. Notice he says we're blameless in the Savior. Notice that he says, He also will confirm you and that ye may be blameless. He confirms us day by day, moment by moment. Jesus stands on our behalf and declares us to be paid for, his purchased possession. What's the day we're looking for? What's the day we long for? Book of Romans tells us that we earnestly groan for that day. 
What is that day? That blessed hope. That's the day we're looking for. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 13, the scripture says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're looking for the blessed hope. You know, some folks go around teaching that we're going to go through the tribulation. But the Bible, sorry about that, I'm kind of getting uncomfortable here. i got to move around a little bit. But the Bible tells us that we're looking for the blessed hope, that blessed hope. We're not looking for the, the tribulation period. We're looking for that blessed hope. What is that blessed hope? The glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're living for. That's what we're supposed to be living for anyway. which in times past he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 15 tells us. Notice, which in his times, I'm sorry, I must have misread that. I did misread it. Which in his times he shall show who is that blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Which in his times, that idea, his times, deals with from the Lord's appearing to his bride, to the great white throne judgment. And according to Scripture, that's about a thousand and seven years. When he appears to take us home, and there's a seven-year period of tribulation hits this earth, and a thousand years after that, or at the end of that seven years, comes a thousand-year reign of Christ, the millennial reign of Christ. And then following that comes the great white throne judgment where men will stand and be judged for their sins. Our service at the judgment seat of Christ will be judged for its value. And revealed as to its value. This will take place following the rapture. That is the catching out of God's people. When Jesus appears in the clouds. And we're going to be taken home. And we'll appear before the judgment seat of Christ. First. Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11 says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is which than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation. 
upon which the gospel is built, upon which our ministry is to be built, upon which our labors are to be performed. All of it is to be upon Jesus Christ and the truth of the scriptures. First Corinthians verse 3 and verse 12 then says, Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. So there's gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Six substances that our works can be revealed to be like. They can be like gold, they can be like silver, they can be, be like precious stones, or they can be like wood, they can be like hay, or they can be like stubble. Verse 13 says, Every man's work shall be made manifest. What we've done for the Savior since the day we got saved, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now notice, it's going to be revealed by fire. The fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Well, think about that. If it's gold, silver, and precious stone, it'll make it through the fire. It'll put, prove worthwhile. But if it's wood, hay, and stubble, then there's nothing but ashes. It's again, this is not dealing with our salvation. This is dealing with our works or our work for the Savior since we got saved. And preacher, it deals with our work in our ministry as to what we've done with our, the ministry God has given us. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. So what is coming? Well, if our work abide, if it makes it through the fire, then we receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. He shall suffer loss. What loss? Well, it can't be his salvation because he himself shall be saved. But he's going to suffer loss by fire because the wood, hay, and the stubble are not going to abide the fire. They won't be left. There won't be anything left when it's over. It'll all be gone. They will lose. So we need to work in our ministry and work in our Christian life in order to please the Savior, in order to be what God wants us to be. He goes on to say, He shall show who is the blessed and only potentate 
the King of kings and Lord of lords. My, how man seeks the glory in this world. My, how man wants to be seen as being powerful and is the leader. I think it's a... I think it's a terrible thing when we look at our, our country and see how many of us are just seeking the power, not the service. And too often in the ministry, we can get to that. I remember as a young preacher being lifted up with pride and thinking how great it was to stand in that pulpit. But when we realize that we represent the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the blessed and only potentate, that should take a few rungs out of the ladder for us. That should knock us down a few rungs. One of these days, God's going to reveal who's in charge. And it isn't me. And it isn't you. Preacher, keep in mind, the Lord's the one in charge, not us. In Isaiah chapter 45, verse 21, it says, Tell ye, and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient times? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me. A just God. And a Savior. There is none beside me. So God's letting us know that he is God and he alone is God. He goes on to say, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. If you want salvation, you're going to have to come to God. Because there's none else. You'll have to come to the living God. The God of Abraham. Isaac. And Jacob. The Lord Jesus Christ. The living God. The Savior. And there's none else. He says, I have sworn by myself. The word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness. And shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall swear. Notice, God swore by himself that this was going to happen. Has it happened yet? No. But it's going to. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall swear. Surely shall one say, in the Lord have I righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come, and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. So God has said that he's going to be revealed. And this world is all going to come to, a, to an end. And every knee will bow and every tongue swear. In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified, 
and shall glory. This is a promise to Israel in the Old Testament. In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. And by the way, in the Lord is the only way we're justified. His name is above every name. Every name, his name is to be exalted above. He's already exalted it. And now we're to exalt him. Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above, above every name. That means he's above the name of any God in this world. He's above any potentate in this world, any king in this world, any lord in this world, any leader in this world. His name is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, that's his name, that is highly exalted, is the name of Jesus. And every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Every knee shall bow or should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God the Father. Every knee is going to bow one of these days. Every tongue is going to confess one of these days that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You, you understand what that says? For me as a Christian, I don't have a problem with confessing that Jesus Christ is the Lord. To bow in that day will not be a problem. But for every knee, that means the knee of every religion in this world, the knee of every God that this world worships, the knee that every leader in this world has lifted himself to be, is going to bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Said this to somebody the other day. People will go around saying we have to make Jesus Lord. You couldn't make Jesus Lord if you wanted to. First of all, your flesh wouldn't allow it. Second of all, and most important of all, should be first, is that God has already made Jesus Lord. And he is Lord, whether you accept him or not. 
whether you believe him or not. That's why when we get saved, we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead. And we are saved according to Scripture. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When you or I determine to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believing in our heart that God raised him from the dead, God says he saves us. So you're saved today based upon whether you confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believed in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead. The Bible says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. That these things are written that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Do you have the Son today? I know I'm speaking to primarily this course is for people who, for men who are seeking to serve in the ministry. But let me say to you today, if you're not saved, your ministry will be empty. And let me say to you today, if you're not saved, your eternity is a disaster. Because you're headed for a devil's hell. A place prepared for the devil and his angels. I plead with you today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Call on the Lord Jesus and be saved today. So the directions for our service are to be blameless and spotless without rebuke. The praise is to go to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus, not about me, not about you. It's all about Jesus. Live for him. Preach for him. Give your life to him. And watch what Jesus does in your life. Well, may God bless you till the next lesson. Thank you.